0: The reading of the scriptures from Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, reading from chapter 9, verses 30 to 33, so I invite your uh, reverent attention to the public reading of God's word as we find it here in Romans chapter 9. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um,
1: every year in America, there's, I don't know, 10,000 seminars on how to be successful. How to be a successful investor, um, tight end, real estate agent. I, I don't know. I don't need to really go on. I'm sure you've been to some of those seminars. Um so I thought I would just, what the heck, go in with them, have a seminar on uh, how to be successful in life. I'm glad no one got up and bolted for the, the <laughs> doors, but, uh, but in all seriousness, I, I, I truly would like to give you uh, a way to be successful in everything you do in life, and beyond that, Uh, success uh, in eternity. Uh, Our text this morning is uh, again coming back to the nation of Israel uh, and the issue that since all Israel has uh, not been saved, then the word of God has failed and Paul is countering uh, that uh, indictment. Last week we looked at uh, the doctrine of the remnant, that God is only going to save a remnant, a remnant in Israel, a remnant of the nations. He is not going to save everybody. He's only going to save a remnant that He calls and ordains and elects to salvation, of course. Um, but those that are not included in the remnant uh, are not included because they did not have faith in God's provision of righteousness. And they will encounter eternal catastrophic failure. Uh, so Paul is going to move from the divine realm of sovereign election, the gathering of a into the court of human uh, responsibility, because he's going to hold Israel responsible for rejecting his provision of Righteousness. It's going to hold them accountable for rejecting faith. And that, succinctly, is the way to failure uh, in life as well as eternity. And it is a reminder of something that I'm wondering if we aren't forgetting as Americans. And that is that there is accountability at the end of life. And uh, God is the one who holds court. And so uh, one must deal with him. Uh, in verses uh, 30 to 31, uh, Paul reminds us that righteousness is attained only by faith. So in contrast to Israel, elect Gentiles did not pursue righteousness, but they attained it by faith. And not to be mundane or pedantic, but you achieve the greatest success imaginable in life by faith in God's provision of righteousness. You reverse that. You reject God's provision of righteousness. You disdain faith. And um, the ruin that you will encounter is unimaginable. because no one has ever come back from eternal perdition to warn. Christ has come back from the dead to warn, uh, but uh, he establishes eternal life. So again, here are the Gentiles, by and large, all of us, warning. Uh, we didn't pursue righteousness, but we gained it by faith. And God charged it to our account because of the work of the merits of His Son alone. The single greatest success in all of life is to go through life trusting in the provision of Christ and encountering eternity and saying, God, I can come in because of the righteousness of your Son that was charged to me. And the doors will fly open because of the righteousness of his son imputed to our account that is success anything that's the reverse of that is the greatest of all possible ruin and so you win with faith in Christ and how you attain success is faith faith conversely notice again the text Israel pursued a righteousness by human achievement, and never attained it. I've just described virtually all religion and sad to say, many professing Christians, I'm going to be good enough, and God will take my goodness and let me in. The Bible says, no, he will not, because God's goodness is infinite, eternal, It is the entirety of infinite perfection. And God only traffics in perfection. He does not traffic in the slightest deviation. And of course, you and I know in our hearts, we're more than the slightest of deviation. But everything that is imperfect is rejected. And that's why the perfections of the righteousness of Christ and having faith in that is the way to eternal blessings and eternal glory. So they, uh, they rejected the provision of God. Uh, and again, I remind you that your goodness, if you're here this morning, you're saying, I'm here to be a good person, Bower Socks. Uh, I want to hear your 10 steps to goodness. Um, I, I can only tell you that uh, that would be a seminar in failure because all of us will fail before the divine court, because we can't do perfect, and God doesn't accept good enough. Um, and the uh, Jews were chasing uh, law works, trying to be good enough, uh, and they failed to recognize that the law only condemns and exposes our inability and need for a Savior. Uh, I would remind you that there are many people who uh, will not go to church uh, on a Sunday morning because uh, they want to keep their own scorecard. I don't want to hear some lesson that might convict me, so I'm just not going to go and God will take my scorecard. Uh, you know, he won't. I, I, I wish that were true. Uh, but he only accepts a scorecard of his son, which is infinite perfection. By illustration in that regard, uh, if you drive through New Mexico, a beautiful state, by the way, uh, certainly if you get off uh, uh, the main highways, it's a magnificent state. Uh, But if you're stopped for speeding, don't tell the officer that you're from Oklahoma and you don't know New Mexico law, because it will not work. And so, be careful about going before God with your scorecard when He only accepts His Son. And He provides His Son, achievable only by faith. You can't earn it. How could you as a fallen human being earn perfection? He gives it solely and entirely by faith and trust. Because Israel assumed national election and their ceremonial law, would keep them safe. They didn't need a savior. I mean, we have the temple. What do we need a savior for? Mind of the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, do not trust in deceptive words saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. It's almost like a good luck charge to him. Didn't work. I mean, you'd know from history it didn't work. Babylon invaded, Assyria invaded, the temple was destroyed, the Romans invaded, and even today, Israel is a pagan nation. Righteousness by law works, does not work. It is the way to failure. You only win with Christ by faith. The uh, the patron saint of hopeless causes is St. Jude. Trying to achieve righteousness by works is a hopeless cause. And there is no patron saint that can help those who pursue that path to ruin. It's an indictment of all religion, of everyone who's trying to be good, when the provision is by grace in Christ. And when Israel saw the Savior die on the cross, he did not meet their expectation for a political ruler. And so they rejected him because they didn't know what he was accomplishing upon the cross. Our text in verse 30, notice again, Romans chapter 9, verse 30, uh, did not pursue righteousness attained by faith, but Israel pursued a a law of righteousness. It's an allusion to Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 1. If you have your Old Testament. Uh, Paul is uh, uh, going to the great prophet uh, Isaiah, uh, 51st chapter, uh, in the first verse. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Uh, the context is a discouraged remnant, and a renewal of the promise of restoration to a faithful remnant. The rock and the quarry are defined for us in the text. By, you know, by the way, sometimes the scriptures seem so mysterious, but again, Protestant Reformation, the scripture interprets scripture. So We can always go to the scripture. It will tell us how to interpret scripture. Look at verse 2. You wonder, what's this, what's this rock and this quarry? Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who gave birth to you in pain when he was the one I called and I blessed him and multiplied him. And how was it that Abraham achieved this incredible promise of God that he would inherit the nations and become the father of many nations? Paul tells us. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He had faith in God what God was going to do in his son. And so all the promises of the Abrahamic covenant accrue to Abraham based on faith. They had faith in the promise that God was able to perform. Even Sarah, when she was in the tent and overheard the Lord tell Abraham, you're going to have a son, she knew by her age. She just kind of laughed. She learned, didn't she? She learned, even though... Her ability to procreate had long since left her physically. She had a son. And God made it so. By faith. The provision of God. His ability to affect his promises. Teaching us uh, that God doesn't have to pay attention to our biology. He can raise us from the dead. And he will. And all of this, of course, uh, in the Old Testament, Abraham believed God. A quotation from the Old Testament. Reckoned him as righteousness long before Moses. That's why God is saying, go back to the quarry from which you were dug. Instead of this law works. Not even Moses believed in law works as a way to God. Uh, the law was a tutor to teach us to flee to Christ because all of us are not good enough. Self-atonement does not work. Remember uh, when we were uh, redecorating our church here, there were several uh, signal uh, reminders of the artwork that we couldn't permit like prayers from the dead. We don't pray for the dead. Uh, After you die, you enter into judgment. So you can't really pray for it. Now the Roman Catholic Church prays for the dead because uh, they hold to purgatory, but nonetheless, we reject that because it's not in Scripture. Uh, but we hired someone; to, she was an artist of some notable acclaim to come and cover over the prayers for the dead, and to give us New Testament reminders of of the importance of faith. And so, when she was here, I remember it came out, met Roger Johnson here, we talked with her, and uh, naturally got a Say something about Jesus. Yeah. What can I say? So, well, I, I just keep the law. I don't know. There's some 600 plus commandments in the law. Really? You're going to keep all 600 plus. Yeah. That's, uh, and of course, essentially Judaism today is a work of self-atonement. God doesn't do self-atonement. There is only the atonement of one who gave his life a ransom for the many. You forsake his for yours. That's the way to run. It's the way to run. She was a member of a uh, sect within Orthodoxy, it's a quite evangelical sect, by the way. I've I've gone to places and had them witness to me. So it's a very evangelical movement. But problem is, God doesn't accept self atonement. He only takes his own atonement, provision of his son, Jesus Christ, faith in him. So all of the scriptures tell us, you want success? First Corinthians uh, chapter one, verse thirty, Paul says, uh, Christ is wisdom. You want smarts? He gives it. You want wisdom to be successful in living. He gives it by faith. Here is wisdom, Paul says, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's the greatest success of all time if you own those things. It's given by faith in Christ. One of the greatest uh, success stories in uh, collegiate athletics is the... uh, almost hate to say this it's the women's uh, softball not because of women but women's softball team of University of Oklahoma i mean that coach is incredible she's have a dynasty going of just absolutely incredible patty gasso uh, her success is just almost unparalleled in the annals of sports events Her catcher was featured, front page, the sports page, Daily Oklahoma. You know, catcher, that's kind of like the quarterback. She said something that told me that even though she was on one of the greatest sports dynasties of all times, that she was an incredible, successful young lady. She says, this is nothing. Speaking about her sports achievements. She says, advancing God's kingdom is something. Those are my words, but that's the essence. Seek the advancement of God's kingdom. I mean, you know the words of Jesus. Seek ye first his kingdom, all these things will be added to you. She's paraphrasing that. Front page, Daily Oklahoman, quarterback of the team. Seek the advancement of the kingdom of God and tell people who do not know Jesus about Jesus. My friend, that young lady is successful. Beyond the Big 12 Championships, Beyond the NCAA championships, and who knows? Maybe she could play for a gold medal. You want to win in life, you look at her words, because they're true. Israel rejected faith in the divine provision for their achievements, verses 32 to 33. By pursuing the wrong path, the righteousness of personal achievement, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. The word stumble, of course, implies a falling down of spiritual failure of epic proportion. In other words, falling down and never getting up again. Uh, the, uh, Paul quotes here from Isaiah chapter 8, uh, verses 14 and 15. Let me read those words to you. Then he shall become a sanctuary both to the houses of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. And they will even be snared and caught. If you will, to paraphrase uh, the words of our Lord, conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. You follow the way of Israel. You're building your life on sand. And the more rain and the winds and the storms come, your house will fall and great will be that fall. Old Testament context of Isaiah chapter 8 is Israel's fear of the nations. So the prophet tells him to fear the Lord for he is is a sanctuary. He is a place to go to for safety and protection. I mean, it's from that theology that we get Martin Luther's great hymn, Mighty Fortress is Our God. He was walking on the walls of a city, and in those days they needed these massive walls to protect from invaders. He's watching all these workmen work on the city walls, and he recognizes only God is a mighty fortress to protect us. And you know his son, and he is a mighty wall and sanctuary to be sure. It's also the point of the great hymn, Rock of Ages. Hymn writer was wandering around England. I think the Lake District, I'm not, don't hold me to that, but caught in a violent storm, seeks protection in some big rocks, and writes, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. You want Safety. Christ is the rock of ages. But they take offense at him, so they stumble and fall. Peter, of course, has the fulfillment in Christ. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter. Again, uh, these great Old Testament, New Testament texts, uh, Peter picks up, and it's going to have them, if you will, rest at the feet of Christ our Redeemer. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6-8. to 8. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. Some texts read ashamed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, the same as the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. Those are chilling words. You reject faith in Christ. You're appointed to doom from before the foundation of the world. You talk about a plan for failure. Live that life. And the word of God says, I'll snare you. So it's a reminder. So Isaiah chapter eight, Romans chapter nine, Christological reality. Christ is the rock. Spiritual sanctuary. Of course, like Israel, men, men see him by faith and come win victory and success. Others take offense at the cross. They see this beaten man. I mean, what's with, what's with this guy on the cross wearing a crown of thorns, bleeding, punished as a criminal, Roman law? Why should I believe in him? And so they stumble. And then the rock will smash them. What they fail to see by faith is that he is the temple sanctuary in which there is forgiveness and righteousness and sanctification and redemption and eternal life by faith. With faith you win in Christ. But they reject him. A lack of faith is the immediate cause of ruin. The ultimate cause is divine providence. It's our reminder that the righteousness of Christ alone is acceptable to God, accessible to us by faith. Second citation, verse 33, is from Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, but he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. Uh, Isaiah chapter Twenty-eight, verse sixteen. But well, Paul again, uh, quoting Old Testament to an Old Testament people. The context is divine rejection of uh, Israel's leadership. So, uh, God is telling Israel, "You're going to fail because your your leaders are failures." Let me read that text to you. Uh, it's a kind of a chilling reminder of uh, the way to terrible ruin in life. Isaiah chapter 28 uh, and the 15th verse. It sets the context for verse 16. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have made a pact, the overwhelming scourge will not reach us when it passes by, for we have made falsehood our refuge, and we have concealed ourselves with deception. You believe lies, you're going to get ruined. You know, by the way, uh, I would remind you that Satan is the arch-deceiver. He's also the arch-accuser. The only way to escape his charges is by faith in Christ. But people make a pact with death. If uh, you reject the Savior and all that He accomplished upon the cross for your own self-atonement, you've signed a contract an eternal contract with death. So the prophet states that God will start over with a new temple and refuge, and the failure of their leaders is that they do not trust God. And when judgment comes and invading armies, and they do in Isaiah, Assyria, Babylon, uh, Masoretic text reads that they are disturbed. Disturbed? Surely that's gotta be something stronger than that. Well, it is stronger than that. The word has the idea of running around in distress and panic, seeking, seeking for safety. It's kind of like in Oklahoma. We have these storms that come and uh, everybody's, oh my gosh, I should have built a storm shelter. Uh, can I come over to your house and borrow yours? uh, no, there's not room for your grandmother I get in for. I mean, that kind of panic and utter sheer terror when you can see the black storm coming and it's like it's pointed at you. Better uh, better understanding of this in another Old Testament prophet by the name of Amos. Amos chapter 8 and verses 11 and 12. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread and for water, but rather hearing of the word of the Lord. Uh, By the way, that prophecy is being fulfilled in the United States of America. And the people will stagger from sea to sea and from north even to the east, and they will go to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Well, we see that tragically played out in Revelation chapter 6 when the king of glory comes in judgment. People will run and try to hide, try to seek some answer. Go to the rocks and say, rocks fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. No place to hide. Run you can, hide you cannot. And so what a chilling reminder that there is eternal success by trusting the righteousness of the divine provision by faith. Peter, P, Peter is reminding us that people attack you if you know the Son, he'll he'll take care of you, because you went in him. Peter's also reminding us uh, because he quotes uh, in the Peter text, First Peter chapter two, from Psalm one hundred and eighteen, verse twenty-two. It's a stone which the builders rejected. The same has become head of the cornerstone. It's a construction metaphor, obviously. It's like the contractor or the general contractor has a stone and he wants the contractor to put, you put this stone and make it the cornerstone of your house. If anybody's from Pennsylvania, you know what that is. Cornerstone state. The builders say, what? Who wants that ugly stone? We got our own. Don't worry about it, General. We'll fix it with our own stone. Problem is, that stone is provided by God. Uh, reject His provision is the way to judgment. And so, supposed to be the cornerstone of the temple? It is. Uh, Christ is the temple cornerstone, and He is safety, and He is a sanctuary. But reject them, you get the reverse. Uh, Well, faith is also not just a a way to uh, gain eternal access. It's faith is essential for daily living. You want want a you want a seminar on success? Here it is: daily living. How do you have success in in daily living? Well, by faith. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter one, verse seventeen: The just shall live. No. Sure, don't say it's not so bad. Yeah. The just shall live by faith. By faith. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 15. Walk by faith and not by sight. Well, that's contrary to the American way. Drive by Grace Bible Church. Ah, their parking lot's too small. They can't be very smart in there. Let's go down to a bigger parking lot where they got bigger cars. Now, I don't know how people think, but that's the American way. I mean, success is big. How big's your account? That's the way we judge things in America. How pretty is your dress? Well, be very careful about judging by appearances. Walk by faith and not by sight. Be careful about judging light about what you see. What the Jews saw on the cross was ruin, a criminal. By faith, they should have seen the messianic provision for salvation and redemption, sanctification and righteousness. They forsook that and they lost everything. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith in Christ will live forever. What? Now you won't ever learn that from biology professor in most academies because they don't don't use faith. Uh, It's not contrary by the weight of science, but nonetheless, um, God God is the only shepherd beyond the grave. His Son is the good shepherd. You want success, follow Him. Follow His Word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. One of my favorite hymns, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's a prayer, in a sense. Who's the fount of blessing? Christ is. Come. Save me. I am sure that the Mormon Tabernacle Choir has sung that hymn. But because they are Mormons, They will go to hell. Phil, you shouldn't use that language in church. Come, thou fount of every blessing. You reject Christ as the eternal Son of God. That's what you're going to get. For us who walk by faith, come, thou fount. Every blessing tune my heart. To sing thy praise. That's success. That's riches beyond any imagination. Faith in Christ is also essential for the future. Uh, stone again, construction metaphor realized in Christology, one of the most uh, dramatic uses of it in all of the Bible. That carries into Peter and Paul. Psalm one hundred and eighteen is from Daniel chapter two. The emperor has a dream. His religious people at court cannot interpret the dream for him. Imagine that. What do you think that's true? Because they're fakes and liars. But God has a faithful servant in the court who can interpret that dream. His name is Daniel. By the way, you want to live a successful life? You follow Daniel, who will chase you into the rock quarry who is Christ eternal. Daniel is able to tell the emperor the dream and interpret it. The dream is of four kingdoms, kingdoms of this world. And a stone cut without hand strikes the statue representing the kingdoms and crushes it. And the text says, and the wind carries it away. It also is going to strike the people who are oppressing the people of God. One of the major points of Daniel. Fulfilled... Uh, in Christ. Turn with me, if you would, in Matthew. Because Matthew's going to take this imagery of this construction metaphor. The words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 21. And Christ says, I am that. I represent that stone. Matthew chapter 21, verses 43 to 44. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Christ's kingdom is that stone. And Christ is the cornerstone. In other words, Christ identifies himself with the fulfillment of Daniel chapter 2. So let me give you the greatest of all realizations is the temporal indicators. John in the book of the Revelation has the prophecies of Daniel being gaining fulfillment in his day. Uh, we know this because the temporal indicators of Daniel chapter 2. Christ says these, these things will take place in latter days. They'll take place in the future. John picks up that language in Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter four, Revelation chapter 22, and says, these things are shortly to take place. They have started. In other words, flee to the Savior, the only rock of safety. And if you don't, He will come to destroy, to crush. While the end state of the prophecy, of course, is not yet fully realized, our Lord's kingdom inaugurates the prophecy and is filling the earth. And whatever, whoever opposes Him, be destroyed. It's a way to ruin. You reject faith in the righteousness of Christ. You're on that path. And it's not that this is Bowersox's sermon number 46 on hell and ruin. This is the word of the Lord is his imagery, not mine. These are his words of the end state, the word of God that we're here to study, and apply to our lives. It's our reminder as Christians that we will face opposition all of our lives. It will not prevail against us because we walk by faith and not by sight. Greg Beale says in his book on the temple, the end time temple of Christ replaces all other forms of worship. Therefore, religious syncretism and pluralism so popular in our country today is a pact with death. Certainly realized against Israel in 70 AD when Titus and his Roman legions breached the walls of the temple, tore down the temple sanctuary stone by stone. That's what will happen to people in eternity who forsake the righteousness, the atonement of the living God. And so you want to win in life? Have faith in Christ. You win in Him. You win with Him. And you also win, by the way, for Him and by Him. To repair very quickly to Roman Catholic theology that I do not ascribe to, as you know, but uh, the patron saint of the traveler, That's right, Saint Christopher. Every now and then you'll see, you'll see, I, I, mean, I go and I see someone wearing St. Christopher medal. Really? A medal's gonna make you safe? I told the last guy this, he was checking me out at the grocery doodle somewhere. Really? Really? A medal's gonna keep you safe? Why don't you try Jesus? He's the patron saint of the traveler. He says as much in Psalm 121. He who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. Neither the shade, the the, the moon by night will strike you, the sun by day will strike you. He who keeps Israel will guard your soul. My friend, the keeper of Israel, the keeper of the church, that is someone to believe and hope in, because we'll go to the end with him, because he has kept our souls from ruin and destruction. Now, the patron saint of the traveler is the Lord Jesus. I trust he's your patron saint. You can apprehend him by faith, fleeing to him. Absent faith, righteousness is unattainable, and all is lost. With faith, we attain the righteousness of Christ, access to the eternal kingdom, and certain victory when our King comes to vindicate us, when He comes again, and He will. I trust in grace you know Him. If not, may God be gracious to you and cause you to flee to Him because there's only safety in Him and no safety from Him.